Hi everyone, Kara Myberg Guzman here. I just wanted to give you a little behind the scenes look into what goes into Santa Cruz Local. Just this week alone, Santa Cruz Local attended or watched online the Santa Cruz County Board of Supervisors meeting, the Santa Cruz City Council meeting, news conferences hosted by the governor and the Santa Cruz County Health Services Agency, a talk by UC President Janet Napolitano, and two telephone town halls hosted by two county supervisors. We report to you what you need to know. And today, Friday, April 17, we're hosting our own live stream town hall at 12.30 p.m. We're hosting Dr. David Gillarducci. He's the county's deputy health officer and another special guest, Dr. Larry Digitaldi. He's the Sutter Health Palo Alto Medical Foundation Santa Cruz Division President. They'll answer your questions on the coronavirus. It's free. You don't need to be a Santa Cruz local member. The registration link is in our show notes. But become a member. Last year, about 80% of our revenue came from memberships from people like you. Sign up to support local journalism at santacruzlocal.org membership. I'm Stephen Baxter. And I'm Kara Myberg guzman this is Santa Cruz Local. This week, Santa Cruz County leaders and Governor Gavin Newsom shared details on what exactly it will take for us to get out of shelter-in-place orders. Tuesday, at the county's Board of Supervisors meeting, Santa Cruz County Health Officer Dr. Gail Newell said she expects a looser shelter order for May 4th. This will replace our current order. She basically said that it has to be aligned with other Bay Area counties, she also said that county orders can be stricter than the state, but they cannot be looser than the state's guidelines. Ultimately, it's up to the governor to set the baseline. This week, the governor gave the most detail yet on the criteria for easing the shelter order. Six factors go into it. One, testing. Does the state have enough tests and staff to monitor the spread of COVID-19? Two, are vulnerable groups such as senior citizens and people in jail supported enough to physically distance? Three, can hospitals handle surges in patients? Do hospitals have enough beds, staff, and supplies? Four, do people have access to health care to recover outside a hospital? Five, can businesses, schools, and child care centers support physical distancing? And finally, six, can modified shelter orders be communicated quickly? Newsom recognized that businesses and workers are suffering from the shelter order. It's expected to be loosened in the coming weeks, but he said it's not like a light switch. It doesn't turn on and off. It's more like a dimmer. He said shelter orders could be loosened and tightened depending on conditions. He said the state's working with school leaders to deal with distancing. Also, things like restaurants could open, but they might look different. Here's Gavin Newsom. Uh, we talk about what the new normal will look like. As I said, uh, normal it will not be, uh, at least until we had herd immunity uh, and we have a vaccine. Uh, because as someone like yourself that looks forward to going back out and having dinner, as the doctor said, uh, you may be having dinner uh, with a waiter wearing gloves, maybe a face mask, uh, dinner where the menu is disposable, uh, where the tables half of the tables in that restaurant uh, no longer appear, where your temperature is checked before you walk in to the establishment. These are likely 
scenarios as we begin to process the next phase and next iteration. For businesses, the same opportunity and responsibility resides to allow for their employees to practice a safe physical distancing. At the Board of Supervisors meeting on Tuesday, we heard about the local criteria for easing the county's shelter-in-place order. Health Services Agency Director Mimi Hall shared her four criteria. One, tests for every person with symptoms. Two, a 30-day supply of protective equipment like masks and gowns for healthcare workers. They're a long way from that, she said. Three, declining cases and deaths for two weeks. This hasn't happened yet. And four, more county epidemiologists to trace cases. They just hired two for a total of seven. On Thursday, I attended a news conference at the County Health Services Agency's Emmeline Clinic in Santa Cruz. I asked Director Hall for the status of three of those areas, testing, protective equipment, and the people power needed to trace cases. As of Thursday, we had 98 confirmed cases and two COVID deaths in our county. Remember that the county doesn't have enough testing to even test all the people who have symptoms. So that's not really an accurate signal of how far the virus has spread. County leaders keep saying that they're ramping up testing, but cumulative COVID tests in our county as of Thursday was about 2,500. A week before that, it was about 1,500. Here's Director Hall on testing. You'll hear some dings in the tape. That's reporters calling in on the conference call. So in terms of more testing, we actually are ramping up our testing capacity. We have our commercial labs who have really shorten the length of time that they are responding back with test results. Some of the commercial labs a couple of weeks ago were getting us results seven to eight days later and now it's more like two days, four days. Um, so that's a positive. The other positive is that um, we do have local testing available now through a few sites and one of those sites is our own uh, county clinic. It's important for people to know that those testing sites are for patients of those areas. I think that in the long term there's some thinking that we can do and we've already started that thinking about how we can make the shift to community-wide testing. We're not there yet, but we don't need to be there yet. We have to be ready for that place maybe in a couple of months when we start coming down the curve and thinking about how we're going to further lift shelter in place, but that's phased in. In terms of workforce, that's another thing that we've been thinking about. Um, just as two weeks ago, we were planning on workforce for alternate care sites, and we're still on that plane. Um, now we have to start planning for our workforce in three to six weeks from now and beyond, because again, if there is going to be any shift in the disease, perhaps related to any changes in shelter in place, we're gonna have to have the workforce. And um, there is a robust system. Um, a lot of different counties are actually starting to make plans for that, and we're, we're doing the same. Uh, what were the other things? PPE. PPE, yeah. So uh, PPE, there's a little bit of good news. It's not great news, but we do have, uh, we're receiving, it seems to be like weekly shipments from the state, and I hope that they continue. And they're not everything that we ask for, but um, they're enough to get us by. We are still in something called contingency status. So the CDC for PPE has three statuses. One is conventional, meaning you operate as normal, you follow all of the safety precautions you normally would. 
But then when scarcity begins, there's contingency and crisis status. And so we are right now, uh, as a nation, in crisis or in contingency status. So that means that we really have to preserve PPE um, across um, all different kinds of workers. And we're really encouraging the public and people who aren't direct medical care service providers to not use medical grade PPE. Um, one of the things that Dr. Newell has mentioned is, so what about the downside of the curve and um, having enough, your question of broad testing. Testing requires PPE. So to even get to that place where we think that we could, uh, we have to get out of contingency status. And getting out of contingency status means that we're going to, as a community, have about a month's worth of PPE stock on hand for the healthcare system. Are any of those the limiting factor in terms of when we can start lifting some of the shelter in place? No, I think the limiting factor is really, the biggest limiting factor is disease. We have got to see our cases and our hospitalizations start decreasing. So um, for those of you who think if we just get you all PPE, if we just get you testing, I mean, that's only part of the formula. We actually have to see the cases start decreasing. And then I asked Hall how many more epidemiologists are needed to trace all the cases. I mean, that's just such a loaded question. It's kind of like, how much money do you need? <laughs> um, I feel like we have great capacity with our epidemiologists right now, and um, they have good partnerships with colleagues in other institutions as well. So um, I think that we need person power in a lot of different areas. Um, we're, we're able to keep up with the tracking and the modeling and the data input. Some other areas that would be really great to have staff is, um, so when we move away from where we are, and we're gonna uh, look at this long-term mitigation, be really great to have people who are great at data. And by data, I mean data embedded in our health information exchange to pull surveillance information, symptomatic information, um, data to the public so that we can use apps on our phones so people can self-report. So those are all the things that um, would be really great for us to build the capacity to do. As of Wednesday, Santa Cruz County had 11 people in the hospital who were COVID positive or suspected COVID positive. Five of them were in intensive care. That's according to the hospitals who report to the state. Dr. Gillarducci, the deputy county health officer, said the thing he's most worried about is intensive care unit capacity. Currently, we think we have about 400 hospital bed capacity in the county. That's combined of three uh, inpatient facilities. Uh, that number may vary a little bit depending on certain conditions. Uh, we have about um, maybe 45 to 49 ICU or ventilator capacity beds. Um, the projections are that, um, uh, state projections at least released recently, suggest that Santa Cruz may experience, uh, most likely experience about 300 hospitalizations at peak. So uh, bed supply of 400, 300 at peak, we should be okay there if, if it goes as, uh, as is most likely. Obviously, these are broad curves and, and there are many possibilities. I'm a little more concerned about ICU uh, capacity and I've mentioned that before here. Uh, they're projecting that we uh, may need up to 100 ICU or ventilator beds uh, at time of peak. And as I said, we have less than half of that. So uh, we're working very hard to find ways to expand capacity, and that would include moving patients uh, to, where, to other counties where ventilators may be. And so very fluid situation. 
Well, is that um, that regional help, is that enough to meet those 50 extras? Yeah, that's a great question. Now, in a normal time, you know, uh, we, can, we can safely rely on outside hospitals to provide extra help. Uh, during this pandemic, we are not assuming that that will be available. Uh, so uh, we um, have to look for internal resiliency to the extent that we can. And so that's going to probably mean some real creative solutions. Um, uh, you know, getting ventilators from the state or the feds would be helpful. Finding people to staff those ventilators, the medical professionals that you need uh, to provide that intensive care. There's other things that uh, ICU patients need besides just the ventilator itself. There's lots of um, medications that they, they could have six or seven medications infusing at one time uh, for very, very sick people. So lots of labor involved there. And so the people part of it will be important as well. One last takeaway from county health officials this week. Summer in Santa Cruz may look a bit different this year. Dr. Newell said Thursday that she does not anticipate legalizing gatherings of any size for a long time. That means that registration for Wharf to Wharf is already on hold, and the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk may or may not open all summer. Newell did say that summer day camps for kids are possible, and they're working on how to do them. And also, junior lifeguards may be possible, but it might look different. In terms of COVID cases, the peak was originally projected to be this week. Now it's pushed out to mid-May or even early June, according to county health leaders. This is going to be a slow, long process, and restrictions are going to be, need to be lifted very carefully and slowly, a bit at a time, and then restrictions may have to be placed back, depending what we see on the disease, disease curve. So we really think that instead of one big curve, we're going to see a series of ripples. So I've been saying, um, you know, instead of a tsunami, we're going to have a series of ripples and um, asking Santa Cruz to ride the waves. If you'd like to know what else was said in Thursday's news conference, we posted the transcript on our website. We'll put the link in our show notes. And a reminder, we have our Santa Cruz local town hall today, Friday, April 17th, from 12.30 to 1.30 p.m. Our guests are Dr. David Gillarducci and Dr. Larry DiGataldi. The link to register is also in our show notes. By the way, we are having a special members-only event over Zoom on Tuesday. We'll discuss how we can help our community get through this time. Members, your invite will be in your inbox in the next few days. If you're not a Santa Cruz local member yet, it's not too late to sign up. We're trying to reach 600 members by the end of the month. As of Thursday, we're at 341. Sign up is at santacruzlocal.org membership. Thank you to all our members. Thank you especially to our 16 new members who signed up this week. As always, thank you to our Guardian Level members, Chris Nicholson, Patrick Riley, Elizabeth and David Doolin, and the Kelly family. Thanks to Trimpot for the music. Special thanks to Natalia Drescher for the transcript of the news conference. I'm Stephen Baxter. And I'm Kara Myberg-Guzman. Thanks for listening to Santa Cruz Local.